2: From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Congressional leaders and the White House appeared yesterday to be edging closer to a deal on a $900 billion coronavirus relief package. But important details still need to be worked out. At nine, we'll hear the latest, and we'll also talk about President-elect Biden's historic cabinet appointments. Then at 9.30, Lake Tahoe's winter season typically provides an economic boon for the region, but with COVID-19 restrictions, the hospitality, skiing, and casino industries may take a hit this year. This comes as Tahoe faces crowding with more people fleeing cities. Join us after the news. Welcome to this morning's forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Congressional leaders and the White House on Thursday appeared to inch closer to finalizing a $900 billion coronavirus relief package, but several sticking points remain. Among them, Republicans want to restrict the power of the Federal Reserve to bail out businesses, while Democrats are demanding more help for states. We'll hear the latest on the negotiations. We'll also get an update on President-elect Joe Biden's latest cabinet appointments, including his historic pick of Native American Representative David Deb Holland as Interior Secretary. Joining us, Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent, KQED, co-host of KQED's Political Breakdown Show. Welcome, Marisa. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Michael.
2: We'll also say good morning to Anita Kumar, who joins us as well for this uh, First segment of our opening hour, White House Correspondent and Associate Editor of Political. Welcome, Anita Kumar. Good to have you back Thanks
4: for having me back.
2: I'd like to begin, Anita, with you, and I'd like to just get a picture of what we're talking about here in terms of the stimulus and where things stand and what the status of things are. It's looking, well, it's looking even more possible we may have a shutdown if there's no stopgap spending bill by tonight.
4: Yeah, we're, we've been talking about this bill for months now, right? Um, Things are getting there, I would say. So there's a they're sort of coalescing around a nine hundred billion dollar deal that would include stimulus checks, six hundred dollars stimulus checks. It would include three hundred and twenty five billion dollars for small businesses and three hundred dollar checks, weekly unemployment checks. So there are some things they agree on. There's lots of things they still don't agree on, uh, though. And you're right. They are trying to tie this to the government funding bill and that needs to be signed by tonight. Uh, what we are hearing, though, is that they could sign something for a few more days and then continue, uh, I'm sorry, they could sign something to keep the government going and then continue to work on this. Because remember, I mean, they've, they've had lots of self-imposed deadlines that they've pushed past on this. Really, I feel like the deadline is next, uh, the day after Christmas, December 26, because that's when a lot of these benefits do run out.
2: Well, the devil's clearly in the details, as is always the case with these kinds of things, but particularly in this case. uh, And I'm wondering about all the optimism we're hearing from both sides, uh, not only from uh, uh, McConnell, who's talking about the stimulus checks being the major pillar of the deal, but they want, uh, at this point, less than cares offered. uh, And uh, also a lot of optimism and sanguine remarks from Chuck Schumer. uh, And yet many we're really at a kind of a... Uh, a serious uh, conflict here, in so many details, aren't we?
4: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons you're hearing some optimism is there is an effort to take the two biggest issues that they don't agree on off the table. So that would be uh, something that they would address later. And those two issues are Democrats really wanting money for state and local governments, which obviously have lost money because of you know lost taxes and revenue during coronavirus. And the issue that Republicans really want, which is uh, protection for companies and businesses um, against people who might employer employees who might sue about you know if they catch coronavirus. So taking those two really big issues off the table, um, you know, postpones the fight till next year when they look at this again. But it might pave the way for them to actually get something done.
2: What do you think, Marisa? <laughs> you gonna get something done here?
3: <laughs> I mean. I think millions of Americans are hoping they do. Um, you know, I know talking to people that I know in San Francisco who have lost their restaurant jobs back in March, um, they're really worried about what's gonna come over the next couple of weeks because those unemployment benefits do run out and I think, um, you know, that, that clearly, you know, McConnell is feeling the pressure to some extent. I know he, um, there's been some reporting that he talked to senators on a caucus call recently about how this was hurting their chances in Georgia. Um, and so I think that, it seems like there's more of a chance now than there's ever been. But, you know, we've talked about this before. I, I learned this in Sacramento, and it seems like it applies in Congress, too, which is lawmakers are usually, you know, kind of like college students. They always wait till the last <laughs> minute. They, they don't get it done unless they absolutely have to. Let
2: me also ask you, Marisa, about the Trump administration actually cutting $200 million in health care funds uh, because of abortions here in California. I mean, this isn't necessarily a part of what we're talking about, but it certainly weighs heavily.
3: Yeah, this is, um, you know, Medicaid funds. And, and this is I mean, it, it is a lot of money that they're threatening to cut. Um, of course, it's a small fraction of the I think some $60 billion or something we get for health care every year from the federal government. So, um, you know, it, it definitely angered, I think, you know, folks who support a woman's right to choose. Um, but I, I don't think the governor is super concerned just because of the timing of this. I mean, obviously the Biden administration will be coming in. Um, This is, you know, a fight that I think some in the Trump administration really wanted to pick before they left. Um, Excuse me, it's not only the Biden
2: administration coming in, but it's uh, Javier Becerra coming in, right?
3: Yeah, and and some, yeah, right, so I think that is a big part of this, is that this is coming out of Health and Human Services um, from somebody who's, you know, long been a very strong pro-life advocate, and I think Sarah you know it's funny he's um mostly known I think for his lawsuits against the Trump administration um most of those have been around health care and environmental issues but he is a very strong uh, proponent and has been for his entire career of a woman's right to choose and I think um This is very much a swipe at 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 his, you know, their decision to appoint him. Um, I I I don't know the the, whether there will be any practical implications if that money will actually be withheld or if it will be um, just delayed. But it doesn't seem like the governor is very concerned that this is going to undermine health care in California.
2: As long as we're talking uh, mentioning Javier Becerra, who will be the new attorney general, let's talk about some of these cabinet appointments. And let me go to you and Kumar on this. Anita Kumar again is. White House correspondent and associate editor at Politico. Uh, this is major in terms of uh, what I would call historic, because we've got, for example, the first Native American uh, on a cabinet level as interior secretary. That's Deb Holland of New Mexico. We've got the first black EPA chief in Michael Reagan. And we've got the first uh, uh, gay uh, secretary of transportation or cabinet member in Pete Buttigieg. Uh, this is uh, going to presumably please a lot of progressives and the the other side of the democratic party that's been not necessarily warring with joe biden but certainly locking horns with him
4: yeah i mean definitely he has faced president-elect joe biden has faced a ton of pressure from the progressive side of the party and really overall from the party to really show that the democratic party is about diversity and to really put some of these um, people in there and so i think a lot of these uh, of appointments or nominations have been received really well um from the party now the question of course is whether they'll get through the senate but i think you've seen you know overall things about the diversity pretty well you know there are some issues with the background of some of the people Uh, i'll mention neera Tandon, who is uh was nominated before for the office of management and budget that's sort of the one i'm hearing the most about not because of she she's a woman but because of her background she's close to hillary clinton she worked on the affordable care act and she's been very vocal against some republicans so yes there are a lot of people cheering and this is really interesting because of course we don't know if the senate's going to be controlled by republicans or democrats so joe biden has a has a balancing act here if 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 the senate ends up still being republican controlled he needs to push these nominations through so he's thinking very carefully about how to do that in january when uh, when the new Senate is in session
2: and let 's talk about Marisa, what each of these people bring to the table and what they can really do I mean uh, certainly Deb Holland can. Have a profound effect on 1.9 million native americans on in, in terms of education and health and the interior overseas uh, exposures of protected areas including 75 million wilderness areas and uh, acres excuse me and 422 national park sites there's a lot that comes under her aegis and will be under her essentially her uh, stewardship uh, and, and the same with uh michael reagan uh and michael reagan comes with a pretty impressive background uh, suing duke uh over in North Carolina and a multi-billion dollar case. In other words, we're talking about people who are uh, are going to have a great deal of impact, a great deal of effect, other than the fact that, uh, as I say, it may please the progressives.
3: Yeah. And I think, I mean, if you look kind of closely at both of them, in some ways, they're very brilliant uh, appointments, because to your point, I mean, they're fulfilling some of the promises and the pressure that the Biden campaign has gotten around diversity and and representation. But they're also both coming, you know, from states that are uh, where they you know, it's not necessarily coming from a place like california where everything is controlled by democrats and you have um, such a progressive electorate i mean you know one thing i know that's been talked about in that um deb holland's already getting pressure on is the amount of oil and gas extraction in her home state and the impact it has on their budget um so i think you know you're gonna have a more nuanced view from both of them coming from north carolina of course um Certainly not a, a deeply state in any way, shape, or form. I think they both um, have that experience. And then I think on the representation side, I mean, one thing that we are getting better at talking about, but has really lacked in our language around things around climate change and environmental impact, is really, I think, understanding as a society how much disproportionate impact so much of the pollution and other issues have had on communities of color. And so I think, um, obviously, coming from a Native background, Deb Holland is going to really carry that torch, but it's not just about Native communities either. We we know, you know, in California, for example, in Los Angeles, um, the most hard-hit communities are generally Black and Latino community. So I think having that framework at the top is going to be really interesting because so much um, has been kind of left behind under Trump around climate change and approaching it in an aggressive manner. And so it's not just like, you know, rejoining Paris in the situation. It's going to be the people who are bringing a really different perspective than we've traditionally had on a lot of these issues.
2: I think, in fact, the message is uh, science and equity from the Biden administration and Mm -hmm. taking very seriously uh, renewable energy and climate change. uh, message couldn't be clearer with these appointments. So uh, they are historic in a number of other ways as well. And I'm going to offer our listeners an opportunity to join us. We're talking about the coronavirus relief bill that's being negotiated. You may have some thoughts about that, and certainly many of you, I'm sure, have questions about it. But we're also talking about President-elect Joe Biden's cabinet appointments. Marisa Lagos with us, politics correspondent for KQED and co-host of KQED's Political Breakdown Show, and Anita Kumar, White House correspondent and associate editor of Political and You can join us as well, and I invite you to do that now. You can give us a call at our toll-free number and be part of the program. The number to call is 866-733-6786. Please join us. Again, the number for your calls toll-free 866-733-6786 and of course you can get in touch with us also on twitter and facebook we're at kqed forum or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org and we'll continue talking about the coronavirus relief bill that's being negotiated and that may in fact uh, go right down to the wire here or may even carry over and president-elect biden's cabinet appointments we'll talk more about those as well and we want to hear from you so please feel free to join us now this is forum i'm michael krasny
0: This is Forum.
2: I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about the coronavirus relief bill that's still being negotiated and also about President-elect Biden's cabinet appointments. Marisa Lagos with us and Anita Kumar. And please feel free to be part of the program. If you have something you'd like to bring to the conversation or questions you might have, you can join us at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. Let me bring Wayne on as our first caller. Wayne, welcome.
5: Join us. Hi, thank you for taking my call. You know, I was just wondering. uh, Well, first of all, I know a woman, I know a woman, uh, and I visited her two weeks ago. She has two little children, two little daughters. This woman had a can, a single can of Campbell's soup. And she was going to give her two daughters one half of the can of soup for the, that day, and the rest of the Campbell soup that, that can of Campbell soup that evening for the, her two daughters. This is all they had to eat. Mitch McConnell makes over two hundred thousand dollars a year. He's worth over thirty million dollars. I don't understand how they can't see people like this woman and how they can't, how, how they are al- not allowing these people to have enough money for the, within the stimulus check or unemployment, you know, unemployment being $600. I think um, uh, they're going to make it up to $600 a week or whatever, or uh, whatever it's, I think it's just ridiculous. And I just wanted to say that.
2: I'm glad you said it. And I thank you for it. They are talking Anita, aren't they about extending to the expiring unemployment programs?
4: They are. Actually, there is some talk about it being three hundred dollars. So not even what it has been or what the caller mentioned, but it's still in negotiations. You know, unemployment is something that they that both sides really want to do. I will say this this stimulus check that's really still out there. There are differences of opinion on this. Um, The amount of money, how long, you know, you know, when it should come out, that sort of thing. There were proposals on the Republican side earlier this year that didn't include any of uh, even any of these checks. So this is uh, you know, going to be a disappointment, I think, to some people that think it's not very much. Uh, there was some reporting overnight that President Trump uh, had to be held back from uh, trying to interject here and saying this should be much more, maybe $2,000, know, uh, much more money. Um, so... You know, the White House says today that they're going to go along with whatever Senator McConnell comes up with because they just want a deal. But what we've basically been seeing for months now is a difference of opinion on whether they should give stimulus checks and how much that should be. And, of course, who should get them. There was some criticism last time around, the first time, I should say, in the spring, that people got them that didn't need them. And so there's there's a talk. There's talk about how can they get them into the hands of the people uh, like this woman that the caller is talking about that really do need them.
2: There are still stories coming out and emerging even at this point about people who didn't need the checks, who got the checks uh, the last time and how to uh, negotiate that and how to really curate it is a big problem that I think looms over this. But Marisa, we're also talking about uh, negotiations with respect to education funding and also uh, tracing and vaccine distribution, aren't we?
3: Yeah, it kind of feels like we're uh, having deja vu all over again, huh? The same fights that have been happening uh, since the spring. I mean, you know, I also think this debate on who who needs it is an interesting one because I think that there are a lot of people who, you know, I know a small business owner in California who recently passed away from COVID-19 because he kept his restaurant open and, and couldn't, you know, take care of himself even though he had a lot of pre-existing conditions. So I think there are people who, yes, have been able to kind of keep their income going but at what at what cost right at what risk to themselves and others. Um, And you know how we've approached this on both that issue and also testing tracing kind of federal responsibility for all these things is so different than some of the other nations we've seen in in, in Europe for example that have had in some ways better outcomes. But yeah, I think that, you know, this is going, what I think is interesting to watch is obviously what happens over the next week, and then kind of how that builds over the next month, because what happens in Georgia is going to have very, um, obviously, deep impacts on how the Biden administration can move forward. I mean, Biden has characterized this potential deal as a down payment. He sees this as really the start of a conversation. I think a lot of Republicans would see it. uh, They hope it's the end of this conversation. So, um, And then we're hearing this morning that there's some language that was inserted around the Fed's ability uh, to offer loans, um, not just in this situation, but moving forward that was put in by a Republican that has really, uh, you know, put a snag into uh, this. So I think, uh, you know, the, the issues are many and deep, and, and there's continued disagreement among the parties.
2: And we'll bring another caller, board. That's you, Jeff. Thank you for waiting. Join us, please.
5: Thanks for Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to make a quick comment on the uh, Biden administration's pick for the Secretary of Interior. Um, I was very excited to see that an Indigenous woman would be leading um, a, a department that you know has long been, I think, really problematic as far as relating to the, the First Peoples of America. So. Um, it was really exciting to see, and um, that was my comment. Thanks.
2: I thank you for that comment. It is exciting, and we should mention that Deb Holland's a member of the Pueblo Laguna tribe, but she's also uh, was a single mother and was homeless for a while and grew up without any running water. I mean, it's quite a personal story, really, um, and she's going to be actually managing about a third of the land in the United States, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Let me uh, bring another caller board. Jeff joins us. Jeff, you're on. Morning. Jeff, are you there? Okay, let me go to some emails then. A listener writes, uh, go to you on this, Anita. If the Senate refuses to confirm any of President-elect Biden's appointments, can he appoint them on a temporary basis like President Trump did?
4: You know, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's certain rules regarding that when, when they can be, uh, there's a couple different things. You could do an acting basis. You could do recess appointments, which means the Congress isn't there and a president can appoint someone. But these are not or should not be uh, long-term leaders. So, uh, you know, he he shouldn't be trying to put in, you know, this is the beginning of the administration. He wants people in there that are having the Senate confirmation, and he wants them in for the long haul. So, yes, while he could do that, depending on the circumstance, that's not what they're looking to do. And I think you'll see that if someone... Uh, doesn't get through, that he'll probably go, you know, nominate someone else. Of course, right now they're doing huge, you know, public relations, uh, legislative uh, campaign to get these people through. So yes there was a lot of criticism with president trump for doing that in many cases though that was after several people had already left right so you know for i'm remembering the department of homeland security he's had several people there and of course ended up with someone who was acting um, but he's he's gotten into trouble with that uh, the, there has been there have been courts that have said the things that the acting uh, secretary have done Um, are not legitimate and so he'll he he'll he will invariably run into trouble with that if he does that
2: and a quick question as we come up uh toward the end of this segment for you marisa from pete who wants to know democrats have a razor-thin majority in the house why is biden selecting representatives to fill his cabinet
3: (laughs) yeah that's actually an interesting question i mean i i I was a little surprised um, because, uh, you know, already two other members had been picked and I, and I know Nancy Pelosi was uh, getting a little nervous. Um, but I think the Deb Holland appointment was just too important to let it pass up. I do think that there could be, say, in California, people that Gavin Newsom might have had on his short list for some of the many appointments he now has on his plate um, because people are moving to D.C. that he might be getting pressure from Pelosi not to fill with, say, a Barbara Lee or a Karen Bass because she doesn't want to lose that razor thin majority
2: and uh, another quick question if I may to you Anita Kumar Um, Mike wants to know what happened to the push from Republicans to preempt all state regulations pertaining to COVID protections through language in the stimulus bill
4: I think that's referring to the liability or is that referring to something else I'm not sure
2: I would guess it's referring to the liability
4: Yeah, so that came actually from Senator. That sounds like what it is. They still want it. They still very much want that. And Senator McConnell has said that it's it's too hard to come to an agreement on that right now. And so he has taken that off the table just temporarily. (laughs) and said that they'll address that in January, but to make it fair, he's taking off the Democrats big push here, which is money for state and local government. So they're basically taking these two contentious issues and saying, we'll have this, we can come up with another deal at another time. Let's push something through now.
2: Okay. We're going to have to push on because we have another segment coming up. We're going to talk about what's all going on in Lake Tahoe with the ski industry and the casino industry and, uh, the difficulty with the coronavirus up there. But I want to thank Marisa Lagos and Anita Kumar and, uh, Stay tuned for more of the Forum program. More up ahead. I'm Michael Krasny.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.